We already have the notes for I'm it. I'm the tired. You're tired. <laughs> 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 <I don't... laughs> I don't want... Okay, okay, okay. Don't Here, one, second, one second, one second. Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. Today's episode is brought to you by Omeo. Omeo is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Omeo will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation for 2021. Best of all, using Omeo saves you time and money. That's a win-win in our books. Omeo wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to omeo.com and use the code LISTENAFIVE at checkout. Valid until June 30th for new users on all modes of transport. It's just the pick-me-up 2021 needs. Omeo. Plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. Guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. And I'm Andre. Excellent. So the reason we have Andre on for this episode is we're going to talk about artificial sweeteners. And uh, Andre, can you give us, why are we talking about artificial sweeteners? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, wait, what? (laughs) Well, well, Andre. You mentioned you were going to be filming a pod on it, and I felt like I had some things to contribute. No, I mean, so Andre came up to me one day at the bar, because we're both bartenders, we're working men. Yeah. Blood on our hands. Very blue collar. And, And Andre was like, does it cause cancer? Uh, and Andre was like, I've been telling people it causes cancer, been giving out pamphlets and stuff. Oh, you know, that's none of that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I brought up artificial sweeteners to Sean actually because because you well, know. we had just wrapped up our Alzheimer's series. Yeah, we we're looking for like the next thing. Yeah, the logical next step. Well, I was like maybe multiple sclerosis, but that's also a disease, and it's like oh, Alzheimer's is intractable, multiple sclerosis is intractable. Like there's nothing you can right. do about them. Talk about something we can have a big impact on. Yeah, a little bit of that sweet stuff yeah but you know i think <laughs> you know artificial sweeteners it seems like a, a silly subject offhand given alzheimer's is the lead in but, <laughs> but like you know there's a lot of different types what are they biochemically what are their impacts on the human body um why do they not taste like sugar yeah and also i mean like honestly ever since i was a kid i feel like artificial sweeteners have always been controversial right every single time i found out about a new artificial sweetener i've heard from somebody that they cause cancer you know what i mean it's it's never been clear to me whether they're safe or not whether any of them are good or they are any of them different from each other right do they actually help with weight loss yeah right exactly because i've heard different things about that you know like uh like the famous donald trump quote i've never seen a skinny person drinking diet coke 
Right. That that's the famous Donald Trump. Right. Quote. <laughs> I dare you to find me a more famous Donald Trump quote. Okay. So so you know, this is gonna be a series, and in this first one, we're gonna start out by talking about some of the types of sweeteners, a little bit of the history, right? Yeah. And then as the series progresses, we're gonna get into that sort of meaty, like digging into the science, what does it say about the impact of sweeteners on things ranging from cancer to diabetes to weight loss. So let's let's do it. Now. So what are some type of sweetness? So part of the, I guess... So you could bifurcate them into two, right? Right. There's kind of the ones that we've made in a lab somewhere. Right. And then there's ones that are, quote unquote, natural. Right. But are not what we would call just like regular old sugar or whatever. Right? Okay. So some other natural thing that we got out of a vine somewhere, or like a fucking berry. And it's sweet, but it's not sucrose or glucose or fructose. Okay. Right? But this first category, the synthetic ones, right? Hey, Made in what is a sugar? Real quick. I know that sounds like a stupid question, but we're going to talk about our sugars. What are the sugars? Right. So sugars are carbohydrates. And what that broadly means is that they are carbon molecules. Right. With certain oxygens in certain spots and then mm. a bunch of hydrogens in other spots. Ah, so this is how we breathe, actually, right? Is they go into the lungs and the bronchioli, they like take the oxygen off. It's funny how you're like almost right about something, which is, <laughs> which is when we breathe out, yeah. the CO2 we breathe out is broken down parts of sugars. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because sugars have basically carbons and oxygens, and those contribute to the CO2 that you breathe out. So Willy Wonka, you could just take a bunch of exhaling Oompa Loompas. Right, and you could throw that in your super berries, right? I see to like reverse it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. sure that that's how he does. So I never had to leave. <laughs> yeah, this whole internal system for doing it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. If I can take that point one step further, when you lose weight, virtually all of the weight you lose that isn't water weight is breathed out rather than leaving your body through any other means. Dude, that's like yes. a TED talk. <laughs> that's like a guy goes up and says that, and there's like the silence in the room. <laughs> well, but see, like, it, it, that's also because photosynthesis is the reverse of respiration. Right. That's where trees are built from, is from the air, right? Like, the bulk weight of trees is not from the soil or anything like that. It's from carbon dioxide brought in through the air. Dude, you're like skull fucking my mind right now. <laughs> well, excellent. So, uh, but that's not what we're fucking talking about. <laughs> um, what is Bolsonaro doing? Anyway, so there's lots of different kinds of sugars out there. Glucose is the main kind of energy currency sugar that we use. Right. But the main one that we consume is sucrose, which is actually a disaccharide. It's two sugars kind of put together. Right. Okay. And that's then, what I consume. More than fat and proteins. I mean, sucrose is glucose and what else? Uh, yeah, which one is it? Galactose, maybe? Galactose? Or, That's a Marvel or character. Or is, is galactose glucose Because I, I, know, I know, like, lactose is also one of those types of sugars, and that one's galactose and uh glucose so i don't think I, I think that's lactose is what you're saying you guys keep saying galactose like it's not a marvel character <laughs> it's freaking me out <laughs> yeah well i mean so, so sucrose is a disaccharide of glucose yeah. and something i can't remember what okay it is. but basically that's kind of like when we think about sweetness right we're talking about sucrose right. so and, yeah and so that shit hits the tongue and there's receptors on our tongue that's like whoa 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 yes that's sucrose that's a disaccharide that's yes. a Sacri baby. That's beautiful. Okay. Good job. But, okay, but so we're trying to replicate that with artificial sweeteners, right? 
Yes, although as we'll find, a lot of times we figured this shit out by accident. Okay, right, right. So a lot of sucking thumbs and fingers. <laughs> <laughs> the the first artificial sweetener that was discovered was saccharin. Yeah, and just to reiterate, so we're talking about our synthetics right now, the things yes. that we discovered by accident, oftentimes in a lab. Yes, yes. Okay, so the first one from a lab is saccharin, and saccharin in the U.S. is sold as sweet and low. Mm, love okay. it. So. Way back in 1879. Right. Yeah, yeah. Time travel. Some context is two years after the Kearneyites in San Francisco. Uh, 1879 was the start of the Anglo-Zulu War. Yeah, and that was a fun one. Great movie (laughs) called Zulu with Michael Caine. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. Uh, That was also the decade that saw the invention of the incandescent light bulb, the telephone, and the phonograph. Oh. So, back in time. And apparently not rubber gloves. (laughs) Yes, because... (laughs) So there was this fucking... There was this Russian dude... That was working as a postdoctoral scholar in a lab at Johns Hopkins, headed by a guy named Ira Remsen. Yeah, so this dude, this Russian dude, Konstantin Falberg, was working with coal tar. And coal tar is this, like, byproduct of, uh, you take coal and you break it down to make coke and cold gas. Right. What is coke again? Because I know coke is not cocaine in this context. Right, right, what right. Is it? Coke is, like, almost like a... A more pure version of coal used in iron ingot formation and stuff oh, like that. Cool. So it's You're using like a lot all of these like, World of Warcraft words to me. Like iron really stuff and steelworks stuff uses coke. Okay. To burn in the furnaces. Okay. And and was there supposed to be used for this shit that wasn't just like for fuel? Right. So I think it's just a byproduct of the refining process yeah, that sorry. also has its own use. Okay. Yeah. And so cool. so at the time, coal tar was used a lot as topical remedies for like all kinds of skin conditions. They'd just be like, oh, you got eczema, like rub some coal tar on it and shit like that. It, it looked like La Brea tar pit shit. You know what I mean? Like, Did it, it work? Like, uh, I guess used to <laughs> is the leading part also, of that. What's, <laughs> I don't know if enough uses that we it. still use it 100 years later. <laughs> so, so I'll say this much. It would not surprise me if coal tar did something to alleviate certain kinds of infections. Right. Because it has a lot of phenolic compounds, a lot of fairly complex compounds in there. Okay? Right. Now, that said, it also can be a skin irritant. Mm. So if you rub it on your eczema, I'm not sure it helps more than it hurts. But Right, whatever. right. In any case, this Russian dude was using coal tar. He wanted to figure out other derivatives for it. Oh, it also gets used to make uh, synthetic dyes. Cool. So actually, once we started generating a lot of coal tar and figured out you could make dyes with it, that was like a really big boom in terms of being able to create dyes that weren't natural dyes because those ones were like hard to come by, right? Right. You had to grind up a lot of fucking beetles and shit, right? Right. Whereas the synthetic one, you could make all kinds of cool colors with it. Anyway, this Russian dude, he's a chemist. He was trying to figure out other uses. So he was doing some chemistry work, right? Taking cold tar, doing all kinds of fucking fancy chemistry shit. Right. And then he got hungry one day. It was like dinner time. So he washed his hands. (laughs) No, because he's a dirty... And savage, right? <laughs> and so he just decides to go and eat his sandwich. Right. And also, he like drank like a beer or something, mm. but touched the rim of his glass. So this guy really is gross. I don't know who does that. Like, He's what like the, a weird guy. Because in his sort of like description of what happened, right? He was eating a sandwich and the sandwich tasted sweet in the parts where he was holding his sandwich. Right? Wow. Like anywhere he had touched, it was suddenly sweet. Wow. Right? But also, when he was drinking his beer or his drink, it was also becoming sweet in the spot where he touched the rim of his glass and then drank. 
But who the fuck yeah, touches you the rim of your glass? Like, like a spider what, clawing yeah. the top of his. What your kind glass? of glass holding leads to you like thumbing the rim all over? Anyway, whatever. Well, Andre and I got a lot of customers. <laughs> so let me tell you something. <laughs> so, so this Ruski, right? He went to his boss, and together they figured out that there was a chemical that they were making from coal tar. And then they specifically went, and then they isolated it, and that was like the sweetness chemical, and they named it saccharin. Yeah. Why do they call it saccharin? Because saccharin was already a word, like, often used to describe something that was overly sweet, like sickly sweet. Hilarious. Yeah. Wait, and the word saccharin existed before the chemical saccharin? Yeah. I had no clue about that. I didn't that. know that either. That's, That's fascinating. Crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the word saccharin to describe something being sickly sweet came first. And I think both are related to a root meaning, like, rock or pebble or something like that. That's fucking weird. So maybe like a big fucking like rock of sugar or something. <laughs> a big fucking rock of sugar. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, so they figured out this chemical and then Russian bro left the lab yeah. and then went and got patents for this chemical in Germany and the US. He got rich. And got rich and his former boss just like shit talked him the entire rest of his life. Right, right, right. Because the boss was left off of all of the patents. Damn. And did not get any money for any of that shit. Damn. Yeah, so Iroh was pissed. Well, um, he's, a, he's got tenure, right? <laughs> he's doing okay. He actually shows up later in the same story, so like we'll get to Hilarious. him again. But, as a little random aside, the company Monsanto, which people love to uh, be angry about because of yeah. GMOs and stuff, was actually founded in 1901 to produce saccharin in the USA. Huh. Yeah, fine. When did they diversify to, to evil? <laughs> later. <laughs> Decades later. But yeah. they, they started out as a chemistry company to, to make certain chemicals, uh, including saccharin, as one of their first products. All right. Let's take a break. Okay. And then when we come back, let's continue the history of saccharin. Right? Because nice. right now, it's just a Russian It's just been invented. Dream, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but we haven't explained <laughs> like how. Like the Soviet Union. Or, <laughs> like or a nutcracker. How did it enter into the public consciousness? Right? right like we're right. going to get into that. Okay. Science news. So, Stacy, have you heard the news? No. Wind turbines. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. So, you know, wind. Woo, wind energy. It's really good. Very clean type of energy, right? It kills some birds, but, like, birds are just, like, little shitty dinosaurs anyway, right? Like, like we need less <laughs> birds anyway. But, but anyway, anyway. So, a lot of potential wind energy is over the ocean. Yes. But the problem, right, is wind turbines are very top-heavy. They're gyroscopic, right? You know, like they go, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. And so they need to have a very stable foundation. And so uh, there's all this wind energy out in the open ocean, but we can't really tap it right now because the wind turbines just fucking fall, right? right? Like there's no way to safely anchor or moor them out in the open ocean. Right. Okay, so several companies, uh, some Norwegian ones, some Japanese ones, some American ones, have been developing balancing ballast technologies that can actually keep wind turbines open in the open ocean. Wow. So like... They're structured in different ways, but what most of them have in common is you'll have some sort of tethering on the actual sea foundation, but it's a simple tethering, which is, you, you, it needs to be simple because otherwise it's way too expensive to, like, just build a, a wind turbine into the deep sea. Right. right. That'd be crazy. So you got some simple tethering, right? And then you have, like, a ballast, and they're shaped in different ways, presumably for different benefits, but, like, you have the ballasts underneath the wind turbine that the wind turbine is chained to that basically helps stabilize the wind turbine. Wow. And then you have the turbine on the surface. 
Right now, wind companies have to figure out how to actually repair the wind turbines because you need to have a, like a repair boat. And the boat, much like the wind turbine, has to be able to be stable enough that like a guy can climb up a ladder to the wind turbine and then replace like a blade on the wind turbine. <laughs> Both of these floating things not being too unstable. So it's hard. Yeah. But if we can successfully figure that out, then we might be able to harness all this wind energy over the open ocean in which case, things like generating hmm. yeah, petrochemical. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah, like it'll be a lot easier if we can figure out uh, wind energy on the open ocean, which again, in terms of wind turbine, it seems like we actually are figuring out within the next 10 years, we could start to have a lot more energy production that doesn't use petrochemicals at all. Uh, in which case, a lot of climate goals will be more attainable than initially anticipated. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, well, that has been Science News turbines okay so famously saccharin you know kind of sucks right like it, it doesn't taste exactly like sugar right I, I think anyone who as a kid took one of those pink packets of sweet and low and then just like consumed it and found out that it fucking is right ass. you always avoided that like you always get the little things on the diners yes. there's always a lot of sweet and low <laughs> yes. and you go straight for that sugar pack and you chug that yeah like the raw <laughs> sugar you're like I'm gonna do it raw you yeah, know yeah. I, mean? I don't want any of this fucking sweet it's like coke of the cane uh, <laughs> So, yeah, it's got this kind of metallic-y, bitter sort of aftertaste. Right. And it kind of sucks. And so consumers were not directly buying saccharin, even though it was relatively cheap, because it could just be synthesized in a lab instead of having to process sugarcane and shit like that, right? But food companies were buying a lot of it. Like, we're talking early 1900s. Right. Food companies were buying tons of saccharin and just tossing it into what was a burgeoning processed food right. market. This right? is before you had to list any ingredients. Right, right. The late 1800s, early 1900s, pretty famously, right, was a time where sometimes you'd get a can of meat product and you don't really know You're what like went horse into it. You're like, horse and rat. <laughs> it could be anything, right? right? This is kind of like what, you know, the jungle Right, Upton was Sinclair about. and all the mud rakers. This is like a burgeoning journalism was about all the dirty, nasty shit that went in your food around like 1900. Right, and this is a fun time where we got other things going on like the Poison Squad, the Ki killing revolutions in the Philippines. Uh, I'm <laughs> a little uh, bit more Einstein. specifically about the food thing. <laughs> but like, uh, the ketchup formulations were changed because of additives. Yeah. Uh, the founding of the Food and Drug Administration. So like, the, you know, right. all of that's a story maybe we can do some other time. Right. But the main point is that there was this dude named Harvey Wiley. Okay. And he was actually a major force behind the passage of what was called the Pure Food and Drug Act. Cool. Which helped establish the FDA. And he was the first commissioner of the FDA. And before that, he worked at the U.S. Department of Agriculture as their, like, head chemist to, like, test out food additives, basically. Right. And that's actually what the Poison Squad was. Uh -huh. It was, like, his team of people who, like, ate food additives to see if they, like, threw up and shit. Wow. Yeah. Fun. Fun times. Anyway... So this dude kind of had like a little personal vendetta against saccharin. He considered it to be this sort of like chemical adulterant that like companies were adding in instead of real sugar and that it mm. had no nutritional value. Whereas real sugar, he was like, this is the good shit. Right. And that they're just like defrauding customers and everything. Especially when people are still like starving to death every once in a while. <laughs> like you, you want the calories, right? Sure, sure. But in any case, at one point... He was, like, really gung-ho about banning different additives. Yeah. And Teddy Roosevelt was like, this guy's, like, a little over the top. Right. And, and so he... Teddy Roosevelt liked saccharin, right? 
Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt was actually prescribed saccharin by his doctor. Yeah. Uh, because Teddy Roosevelt needed to lose a little bit of weight. And so his <laughs> was like, a little big. Yeah, and so Teddy was actually like a big proponent for saccharin. And actually, one of his heroes was Aya Remsen, the dude whose lab invented saccharin. Right. And so Teddy actually assigned Ira to watch over Wiley to make sure Wiley didn't ban too much shit. Hilarious. And Wiley and... Ira, like, fucking fought all the time over saccharin because one of them, like, literally fucking invented it and the other one thought it was evil. Well, you'd still think Ira would want to ban it because the risk <laughs> because he made all the, the money out of it. So. Yeah, his, his lab got a little famous for it. Good for it? Ira for being the bigger <laughs> man there, you know? <laughs> so in any case, you know, that's all, I think, part of a really much broader, very interesting story about kind of the foundations of even thinking about food safety in the United States. But saccharin was kind of, like, on the front lines of that. Okay, um, but in, we're still not, as the consumer, really aware of it or really using it at this point. Right, right. And to do that, a lot of people had to die. Yeah. And so, chiefly, I'm talking about World Wars One and Two. Right. World Wars are important catalysts in human history. Yeah. Right. Especially for creating shortages and rationing of supplies. Right. Like sugar, okay? So, basically, the idea was, hey, during the wars... It's like, let's save our sugar for the boys overseas or whatever the fuck. I don't know how that works. But basically, it was like, <laughs> we got to ration sugar for some fucking reason. Yeah. It's and funny because we're giving them meth anyway. Yeah. And cigarettes. Yeah. So why do they need the sugar too? Cookies. <laughs> <laughs> they get the cookies from the French ladies, right? Wars are won on the backs of cookies. <laughs> True. Anyway, so basically during the wars, the sugar substitutes were kind of brought into the consumers. They were cheap. And you could kind of sell them at a really low price to people and like right. tell them you hey, and you standards can use this. really fall during world wars right? sure. people are like, yes. like fuck it yeah <laughs> give me that sweet little bitch yeah ah, they're just like right. dusting rats with a little bit of saccharin <laughs> right, or whatever right. like, make them good um <laughs> so after the wars the idea that sugar substitutes could be used to help lose weight also gained a lot of traction right right in, so in general like, sweeteners were normalized and so now it's like well what else are they good for because we're all used to it now right so like the first diet cola Right, like the, the first like diet soda situation was in the 1950s. And uh, ever since then, right, it's just taken off. Right. And then it wasn't until, you know, a little bit later than that, early 1970s, late Did it 1960s. cause cancer. Right. So, in sort of a reoccurring trend in the history of artificial sweeteners, saccharin was found to cause cancer in rats, specifically okay. bladder cancer. Okay. And I a lot of people flipped out. Right, sure. Including the FDA attempting to ban saccharin. And oh, then uh, finally. failing to ban saccharin. Oh, okay. Like, they literally were like, let's ban this thing. And then public outcry mixed with, like, a really good ad campaign from the companies making saccharin. Fascinating. Like, literally stopped the FDA from So the it. public saved saccharin. Yes. Like, enough people loved saccharin <laughs> that they're like, whoa, whoa, get your government yeah. hands off my saccharin. Plus, plus a really good ad campaign. Anyway, so. What was the ad campaign? Yeah, I'll show it to you sometime. We'll describe it's it like now. Save, save my sweetie. Anyway, oh, really? Mm -hmm. Save my sweetie? I'm not making it up. That sounds but anyway, good. The point is, the thing is, the mechanism by which saccharin causes cancer in rats, which is forming these little tiny microcrystals due to the pH and the presence of calcium and these proteins in rat urine, scratching up the lining of their bladders. Right. And that's scratching up creates inflammation, and then that creates cancer. Like, that's not possible in humans. Oh, okay. Because our piss is different from rat piss. 
And like all the ways that our piss I've is different. I've never noticed that. <laughs> all the ways that our piss is different. Yeah. Yeah, right. You pervert. I know what you didn't read. You <laughs> tell me you, you went up to Portland, you didn't drink any rat piss. I'm saying I did a lot. <laughs> and it's not that different. <laughs> so the main characteristics, the pH of human urine is different from rat urine. Uh, we have a different amount of calcium and very different levels of protein. All of which means that saccharin in human urine does not form microcrystals. Oh, that's good. So this mechanism is not applicable to us. Okay, so saccharin, definitely good for you. <laughs> well, we don't have time later. to talk. Yeah, yeah, we got to do that it later. It doesn't cause cancer in the bladder, though. It does not seem to. Oh, yes, wow. Okay. Yes, yes. But You're really cagey here. You're really hedging your bets here. It's tough, man. Honestly, the studies, as far as all of this is concerned, it's, it's a rough thing. Mm. It's a rough thing to study. So then, let's use saccharin as our way to talk about taste. Because it is, you know, sweet and low. Right. It's kind of got a shit taste. Right. right? So it, it must look pretty similar, right? It's got to be basically a sugar molecule, but with little bit that says metal bad taste attached to it. Like a little phenol group that's like bad taste. Wow. Listen to you. Yeah, I know, right? I'm yeah. learning. I mean, you're wrong, but like, I like it. <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting is that a lot of the artificial sugar sweetener kind of things chemically look pretty different from oh. actual sugar. Oh, okay. It's kind of odd. I would say a lot of them have in common a sulfate group, but sugars don't have sulfate groups. All right. Overall, it's, it's pretty odd. It's but pretty isn't odd. isn't sulfur like carbon? Isn't that why there's going to be sulfur-based life forms or something? Not for small molecules, dude. They, they uh, have okay. a totally different just, atomic radius. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway. They're similar in Star Trek, but <laughs> yes. they're different in real life. And lost in space. Ah. Those, those spider things. Anyway. But I think this is a good one to talk about in terms of, like, why does it taste so weird, but also tastes sweet, right? And so for whatever reason, some kind of structure that's, right. like, sort of ringy, maybe it's got a sulfate group that has some charged groups on it. Sexy. That kind of thing can bind to some kind of receptor on your tongue that detects sweetness, okay? And your tongue has a bunch of receptors on it and channels for detecting shit. Ion channels will detect salt and sour, and then you have these special protein receptors that detect sweet, umami, and bitter. And the whole family of these protein receptors are called TAS receptors or TAS receptors. TAS1R2 and TAS1R3 are the two receptors that basically they pair up and they detect sugar and other sweet stuff. Okay? But not everything binds to these two receptors at like the same level. Mm. And so a lot of these seem to bind and send signals through TAS1R2 stronger than sucrose. Okay. And that's why things like sweet and low are technically sweeter than sugar. Like when you go like weight for weight. Okay. But they don't seem to bind as well to like TAS1R3, the other receptor in that pair. Okay. And that might explain why their sweetness, like even if you ignore the bitter flavor, their sweetnesses aren't the same. Right. But you can like kind of tell it like it doesn't taste quite the same. Nowhere near as satisfying. Right, but like also if you taste other natural sugars, you're a fucking luddite, Andre. No. <laughs> All right, no. when I taste sweet and low, I'm tasting the future, right? Like, and I'm proud. Like for example, fruit sugars like fructose. Yeah. But then also maltose from like malted things, mm. or like uh, straight up glucose. If you taste any of those sugars, you'll notice like they taste a different kind of sweetness than sucrose. Sure. So in all of those, like our tongues are sensitive enough that we can tell different kinds of sweetness even. 
Right. So why can't I like fructose as much as sucrose? Because I try. Stacey's always trying to get me to like fructose. Yeah, I think it's because the energy density in that sucrose, dude, just goes whoop. Right, right, right. Mm, Your brain likes it. I need that. But in any case, there are other TAS receptors, the TAS2R proteins. We have like 25 different ones, and they all detect bitterness. Okay, so like the molecules that bind to them, they set off bitterness in our brain. Okay. And it just so happens that several of the sweeteners that we use out there also bind to those receptors. Okay. So what you're saying, we have like two receptors that detect sweet, but like 25 receptors that detect bitterness? Yes. That's fucked up. I guess it's kind of like, I mean, is this like an evolutionary thing where like bitterness probably means more poison? So like we got to get rid of that? I mean, what? I think there's probably, yeah, typically bitterness is associated with something that's going to be some kind of toxic or bad for you, right? Um, Like saccharin versus sucrose. (laughs) (laughs) But so part of what I think the diversity in that family is, is that there's lots of different kinds of molecules out there that can cause that problem for you. And so we have diversified a lot. We have 25 working bitterness receptors and like 11 broken ones that like through evolution have just like gotten shitty and we just haven't fully weeded out of our genome yet. Interesting. So like when you look around mammals, different mammals will have different numbers of these receptors. So definitely it's like based off of diet, how many shit things are you eating that like might not be that good for you do fucking like hummingbirds taste more types of sweetness than we do or is that like uh that's a good question so when andre was like oh there's two receptors for sweetness and it's 25 for bitterness first of all those two receptors for sweetness are always paired together so really it's kind of like you have one pair right for sweetness like a mecha okay? shiva yes exactly yeah. Except it can't ever come apart again. Uh, but as, uh, I don't know if we're gonna have time to talk about it this episode, but like there is another separate channel receptor that can actually modulate all of your other tastes. So it can actually make sweet things taste more or less sweet. Or it is, can make bitter it, things taste more or less bitter. Is this what the that miracle fruit, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, I remember Andre one time. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm not actually sure. That's what I wanted to bring up when we got to the protein section. Yeah. But uh, we're going to wait for that. Yeah, that's fucking, yeah. Spoiler alert, you son of a bitch. My yeah, bad, that's, that's like fucking way later. But the <laughs> point is that because of structural similarities somehow. Right. America that's why... and Britain have similar governments. They're technically a parliamentary versus, uh, well, which one's the sugar and which one's the saccharin? Uh, England is definitely saccharin. Have you ever read a Dickensian <laughs> novel? It's all saccharin bullshit. But in any case, because of some kind of structural similarity, that's why saccharin can taste sweet. Right. Some kind of similarity to sucrose, right? But because of their differences, that's why saccharin tastes bitter. Because sucrose does not set off any kind of bitter receptor, but saccharin and several other of these artificial ones do. Okay. And actually, there is an entire realm of food chemistry that's all about trying to reduce the bitterness, right? And trying to keep the sugar, the sweet taste high. So are the remaining synthetics we're talking about are going to be those attempts? They're going to be people trying to (laughs) get rid of the bitter? Kind of. It's a mixed bag. Are we taking Um, a break? Yeah, let's take a break. And then we're going to blast through some of these other ones, much more short form. We're not going to like spend quite as much time because I think we... We did a lot of the chatting about taste receptors and shit like that. Granddaddy saccharin deserves a section. Right, right. So let's take a break, and when we come back, let's do some cyclamate, some of these guys. The following is an actual advertisement. My name is Rob, and I'm host and guide to songbirding, 
a new relaxed pace birding by ear podcast that takes you into the breeding territories of a number of bird species in Midwestern Ontario. You can find songbirding wherever you get your podcasts or visit songbirding.com. So tell me about the remaining synthetics that matter. So there's cyclamate. Cyclamate was discovered in 1937 at the University of Illinois, where a chemist was apparently smoking a fucking cigarette while doing chemistry. Right. Which is so insanely dangerous, <laughs> I can't even like begin to imagine. I don't see it. <laughs> just having just having something that is like currently on fire yeah. in a lab with organic solvents is just like so fucking crazy. Anyway, kind of sounds like Kugai he was smoking a cigarette, probably reading it, beatnik poetry. Put it down. Got it contaminated with the chemical he synthesized, and then put it back in his fucking mouth <laughs> so that he could taste the sweetness on the cigarette. It was like, wow, the cigarette's sweet. Got that sweet right. Marlboro high. And why, and you, it, sometimes you just gotta stimulate that T zone. <laughs> Holy you know? shit. You see anyone do something stupid in like a period piece from that era? <laughs> That's real history, baby. Yeah, these fucking dumbasses. Anyway, so this dude basically stumbled upon cyclamate. He was not trying to make an artificial sweetener. Okay, so th this is another example where he was trying to make something totally different. Cyclamate is typically blended with other artificial sweeteners. So, like, there's not really a brand name now that you would know it by in the U.S. Why not? Well, it's banned. Oh. It's still banned by the FDA. Why? Because that same study that showed that saccharin causes bladder cancer in rats. It was like cyclamate causes a lot of cancer. It causes the same bladder cancer in rats. Oh. But... Saccharin, for whatever reason, mounted a successful PR campaign to be right. saved. and Cyclamate just didn't. Right. So Cyclamate was successfully banned by the FDA, and the FDA has never overturned that decision. Right. So in the U.S. and South Korea, Cyclamate is banned. Interesting. And in the rest of the world, Cyclamate is fine. Oh. And in Canada, Sweet and Low is 100% Cyclamate. Wow. And in the U.S., Sweet and Low is 100% Saccharin. So listeners need to, like, get a bag of American and Canadian... Sweet and low and see what the difference yeah. is like. Yeah, side by side. Let's fucking lick that shit. Dude, this sounds like a really fun side by side. <laughs> it's like doing artificial sweeteners. Ah, that's cool. Okay. All right. So, so cyclamate's then, probably better then. Cyclamate is one of the least sweet artificial sweeteners. Oh. But if it's mixed with saccharin, both of them kind of synergize and cut down the bitterness of each other. Weird. So actually, Sweet and Low used to be a formulation of like 10 to 1 saccharin to cyclamate. Oh. And just having a little bit of cyclamate in there actually made it less bitter. Oh. But once it was banned, they just switched over to being 100% saccharin in the U.S. But then why is it 100% cyclamate in Canada rather than like the combination of the two? Right, because in Canada, they successfully banned saccharin for a little oh, bit. Oh, I didn't realize it. <laughs> oh, that's that is hilarious. Uh, so a sulfame K is another sweetener, and it was discovered again by chance, this time in Germany in 1967. And this like German pervert was doing chemistry. Okay. And he was wearing a sweater, I guess. And saw some, like, white powder shit on his sweater and was like, oh, I better lick my Probably fingers. Probably cocaine. <laughs> so let me get some of this. He was like, I better lick my fingers and then wipe the powder and then later, like, suck on his fingers again for some <laughs> fucking reason. <laughs> to me, if, if there's any takeaway from all this is that we should be trying way more random chemicals. Maybe they taste good. 
Right. I mean, I'm, LSD and all these artificial sweeteners. I'm right? just thinking about how many chemists we lost through the years. You know what I mean? Like, so many of these fucking dudes must have died. Because, like, a lot of the shit, like, is not good for you. But what's apparent from this episode is that, like, there's clearly, we can clearly lose chemists. Right? <laughs> like, like yeah. because progress has happened in biochemicals. Sure. And, like, a certain number of chemists have died. Yeah, they're expendable. It's obviously worth it. <laughs> anyway. A sulfate K, it does not get broken down in your body. Most of it passes through your intestines without anything happening. But about 15 to 20% gets absorbed by your intestines into your blood, okay? And then it gets filtered out by your kidneys and you end up peeing it out. And actually, in a population, there is such like a reliable level of this getting peed out by people all the time yeah. that you can actually use tests to detect a sulfate K as like assessing the urine content in swimming pools. Okay. Since there's, like, an average amount consumed by Americans, and you can, like, calculate, like, oh, this pool's, like, 90% piss. Okay. <laughs> that reminds me of being a kid and going to a public pool and being told that there was a substance in the pool that would turn, like, purple if you peed uh, in it. Oh, yeah. But then as I, I grew up, I learned <laughs> that such a substance doesn't even exist. <laughs> yeah. I immediately tested this yeah. and found it I wanting. may have. <laughs> to me, it's almost like you're the sucker if you don't pee in a pool. I'm not taking baths with you anymore. Okay. <laughs> so wait, let me get this straight, though. You guys, when you go in a pool, you, you, you leave to pee in a bathroom. I have not swam in a pool in a long time. Okay, that's first of all. Okay, well, Andre, I want to hear your answer because you I got mean, silent. As an adult, definitely. As a kid, were there instances where I maybe just let it go in the pool? Yeah, sure. That's what the chlorine is for, Dude, right? As, as a kid, I was more guarded. Dude, it's as an adult that I piss freely. As an adult, I can control my junk down there. <laughs> I have control over this. I, you understand? I could control it's it. It's my not to. I'm right, I understand. Well, look, clearly, we're not the only ones peeing in pools, or this chemical test wouldn't exist in the first place. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm the reason this comes up in a pool. Pools are disgusting. Uh, wait, so what products in America have a pseudobudobudobu? A sulfan K. Yeah. It gets used a lot as an additive in things like toothpastes and shit like that. Oh, okay. Because I was wondering, like, you know, what is it in that everyone's using enough that you can actually detect it in yeah. pools across America? It's like America. a bunch of different products that, like, it adds a little bit of sweetness to to make it, like, more palatable. But, like, not necessarily a lot of... Like, it, it's not sold in, like, little packets most of the time. Right, right. Okay, cool. So, your toothpaste... Right. I don't swallow my toothpaste, so I can just pee freely in pools and it'll be unexpected. <laughs> Andre, right? you can already pee freely in pools. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's gonna make it purple, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, next next one. <laughs> next sweetener. <laughs> you sh you sh you sh so don't judge me. <laughs> yeah, no, no America. More, no more of that. Okay. <laughs> Aspartame. John's just trying to save you from myself. Aspartame. Okay, aspartame has a similar sort of origin story, okay, in the sense that in 1965, an American chemist was trying to develop a treatment for tummy ulcers. Mm. And he was mixing together literally, like, fucking just two regular amino acids. Mm -hmm. Like, actually, aspartic acid and phenylalanine, which are just, like, two of, like, the regular old fucking amino acids. And when he did a little reaction with them... They kissed. He created the substance that he decided to, like... According to an interview, he'll just like literally stick his finger into and then lick. Like nice. like this one is like consciously like he was like better taste it. <laughs> <laughs> 
chemists are the most brave scientists. Anyway. Like, physicists are just, like, banging students and riding on whiteboards. But, exactly. like, these guys are, like, really in the shit. They They're stick on, their finger they're in there. They're cutting edge. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So, and like that. with that, Stanky Finger, Equal was born. Okay, so there's little packets called Equal. Oh. That's uh, aspartame. And it's pretty interesting. And it says, like, this is just a little peptide. It's two amino acids stuck together. And it actually gets digested by your body. Okay? Like, saccharin doesn't really get broken down very much. And right. several other of the artificial sweeteners don't really get processed all that much by your body. But aspartame does. It gets broken down into three pieces. The two amino acids and methanol. And that's basically it. Hey, here's a crazy question. Yeah. If our saccharin doesn't get broken down by our bodies, and we just, like, pee it out then? Okay, it pees out. All the human beings on the world are just peeing that out. Are we causing cancer and all sorts of random animals by, like, all the saccharin oh. we're dropping in, like, the water? Yeah, oh, what about all the poor rats in the sewers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah what about They're the all sewers? getting bladder cancer. You, you smarties. Oh, my God. Listen. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> Probably in what is going to end up being episode three about fucking artificial sweeteners, <laughs> we're going to talk about how there are literally huge studies going on about the environmental impact of all of these artificial sweeteners that we are pissing yeah. undigested out into the entire world. Because a lot of them probably do have impacts on other things. Right. And but like things that aren't pretty, like rats. So who cares? Yeah, and like bacteria, which are like definitely not pretty. So yeah, yes, but yes, important. <laughs> Very important. I've learned through this show. Yeah. Bacteria, man. Wow. Yes. But all of that is part of the story that's going to be happening, like not even fucking next week. We have like way too much bullshit to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like I said, this is like kind of two amino acids stuck together, right? And so realistically, you have different versions of aspartame where they just switched up what amino acid you stick together. Okay. And so that's where you can get products like... Uh, Neotame, Elitame, and those are just like different amino acids. Sometimes they have different sweetness levels. Like Neotame, I think, is like a thousand times sweeter than sucrose, which is five to ten times sweeter than like all the other artificial sweeteners. So it's like super sweet. Did Neotame have any copyright issues in Japan? Why? Well, because <laughs> well, Neotame is a video game. What? Yeah, New Team's a video game. It's a spin-off of Pokemon where you just capture young oh, <laughs> You just throw balls on them. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> and she's like, no, Yamate. <laughs> she gets sucked up I by the ball. I can't <laughs> yeah, The Olympics are happening there, right? Are you going to ruin the Olympics for an entire people? COVID ruined the Olympics <laughs> for an entire people. Anyway, oh, God. Jesus, I can't believe you did that. So I guess okay. that's a yes. New team's probably banned in Japan. That, <laughs> that is what happened. Okay. Uh, okay. Last one that we're going to be doing today. Yeah. Sucralose. Ah, right? so this one is like the great one, right? Like this is like the great hope. This is like Highlander. This well, is the greatest synthetic. I can't wait to find out what someone accidentally licked this one off. <laughs> so no. this is great. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Because Splenda... Right, sucralose, aka Splenda, was not invented by someone like stupidly licking shit. This one was actually made in the 70s in a lab that was specifically trying to make an artificial sweetener. It's kind of less magic though, right? Sure, yeah. yeah. But this one's like, it's got like actual science involved. <laughs> Uh, I think I feel like science is about like the lone man in the woods. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's just like mm, his mind and nature. What the shit? Yeah, you know, like science is about randomness, man. Wow, great. Okay, so <laughs> what they did was they took sucrose, yeah, which is the thing that is sweet that we're trying to replace, right? And then they started chemically modifying it 
to try to make it so that it still tasted sweet, but was no longer digestible by our body. Okay. Right? And so basically, after doing some modifications, essentially just ripping off some hydrogens and replacing them with chlorines, Mm -hmm. they made sucralose. Boom. And it does pretty much what they wanted it to do. All right. It is hundreds of times sweeter than sugar. Okay. Is not digested by your body and therefore has no calories. Boom. So this is just like win-win, huh? This is perfect. Well, I mean, kind of. It's pretty good. But uh, the one thing I will say, by the way, is that Splenda packets Mm -hmm. that you, like, get technically have calories in them. Because Splenda packets are only 5% sucralose. They are 95%... Maltodextrin or dextrose, aka glucose. Well, that's, Wait, what? You're yeah. telling me that that these packets of artificial sugar yep. are still 95% sugar? Yes. How does that save you any calories? Yeah, what's the point? Oh, uh, they're very sweet. So you just it's like a small amount, but uh... So the real purpose of Splenda is to be sweeter than sugar. It doesn't actually help with like calories or anything? It helps some. Uh because first of all, glucose is not quite as much calories as sucrose. I and see. also a lot of the Splenda will make up like you need a very small amount of Splenda to be able to be as sweet as some amount of sucrose. So it, it is fewer calories. It okay. is. But Splenda but, is sold as like when you buy it as a powder, isn't it sold to be like equivalent to sugar? Like right. volume wise like baking and a things? lot of times it's a weight for weight replacement uh, for sucrose. And when they do that, some of those formulations have things that, like, basically dissolve away in water or some kind of liquid. But the packet ones have just straight-up fucking glucose in them. 95% glucose. And so what I will say, what that does mean is that, sure, it's fewer calories, but for people who have diabetes or something like that, those packets can actually still cause fluctuations in their blood glucose level. Because it's literally 95% glucose. So this is dog shit. Well, it's just something to keep an eye out for. Uh, I think not, not a lot of people necessarily know that. I didn't know that until I fucking... Along those lines, it. something I want to point out that gets pointed out occasionally when talking about this thing. Any food service workers who will give people the opposite of what they ask for, like give someone a diet soda when they ask for a regular because they think they're fat, or vice versa... What? Uh, what are you no, doing at the bar, no, Andre? No. I mean, we don't even serve those at our bar, so no worries. I would never do that because, and this is just a warning to people who sometimes do, either way you substitute it, you can end up killing a person. You know? If you give someone sugar when they don't realize they're consuming it, when they're diabetic, they can go into a coma and die. And uh, people being given artificial sugars, uh, some people are what's called phenylketonurics. And they're allergic to most artificial sweeteners. Yes, that's true. And there's another allergy to uh, sulfonamides where several of these artificial sweeteners that have the sulfate groups on them will actually also cause an allergic reaction. A pretty immediate one where like their mouth will start swelling up. So that's fun. I don't want to sound like a stereotypical American, but aren't we just trying too hard to keep people alive? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, you know, sometimes people gotta go, right? Like, I'm gonna substitute your drink at the bar. That's like the entire point of my job is to try to keep people alive. 
Yeah, but like with money, right? <laughs> like well, so, someone's getting paid. Yeah, <laughs> so, somewhere someone's getting paid. For You're that. not like fucking Christ, like washing dirty feet. You know, it's like yeah. they got they give you the money. Believe me, I know. <laughs> anyway, one other interesting little tidbit about sucralose, in case anyone cares, yeah, is if you are using sucralose for baking, something you may notice is that a lot of your stuff might turn out drier than you expect it to. Mm. Like, so you you can use it weight for weight as a replacement for sugar in terms of sweetness level. But in terms of the actual texture of the thing you're making, sucralose is not hygroscopic. So it does not draw water in the same way that sugar does. And so if you make like fucking muffins or something with Splenda, you might need to adjust your fucking recipe because that shit's dry. Okay. Stop giving it to me. It's dry. Stop making it with Splenda. I hate it. Okay. Anyway, we don't have any more time to talk about any of this shit. Okay. So those are all the artificial sweeteners. Right. Yes. Wait, wait, no. Maybe they're all artificial, but these are the all synthetic the, ones. Right. These the are all ones the ones that, that we lab. made by licking fingers in labs. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but humanity in its perversion has found many other ways to substitute sucrose. Right. So next time we're going to talk about some of them. You know, quote unquote natural. Yeah. Doctor Oz recommended sweeteners. Yes. I think a lot of times they're called non-nutritive sweeteners, in the sense that they they don't provide any kind of calories or nutrition. They just add sweetness. Okay. okay. So natural, non-nutritive sweeteners. We're going to talk about next time. You know, we're talking about different sugar alcohols, like the ones that give you mud butt, mm. uh, stevia, monk fruit. We're going to talk about those guys. We're, we're going to get all the hits. Okay. It's going to be lovely. Sexy. All right. Let's thank, uh, well, let's thank Andre first over here. Yeah, Andre. thank me. Yes. Yeah. Dude, the inspiration of this episode. Very all lovely. Right. I'm just going on an all splendid diet. I lost 60 pounds in three weeks. Yeah. All right. It provides nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Andre's like, it's like eating only rabbit. Yeah. He's actually dying. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, and let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord, engineer, and animator. Thank you, Brian, for art. You can uh, do fucking uh, Twitter yeah. at Dish Podcast, patreon.com slash petri dish if for some reason you wanted to give us money. Mm. And you can email us at petridishpod at gmail.com. Ich benign sweeteners. Ich bin ein Sweetener.